welcome back to Music Therapy and Beyond. My name is Maggie and I am so excited for today's episode. If you have been listening to previous episodes like Authenticity in Music Part 3 and What Does Wellness Look Like, you may have noticed that I came from a different college than Alyssa and Kristen. We have some differences in our theoretical orientations because of this, and today I want to dive into why that is. I have done some deep diving and found my coursework load for each semester during my undergraduate music therapy degree program, and I have asked Alyssa and Kristen to do the same. I've asked them to join me in this episode as we discover what differences and similarities we have in our undergraduate music therapy programs and why we developed different theoretical orientations. Some initial questions that I have are, one, do we have different theoretical orientations because of the classes that we took? Or is it because of the environment, like the geographic location, our professors, funding, etc.? Two, are there more similarities in coursework than expected? Three, who or what dictates the undergraduate courses that music therapy students are expected to take at each school? Four, should there be a more unified course load for music therapy students despite the school? Five, what music therapy courses are absolutely required at each school? Are there any? Before we get started, I want to clarify that we are going to be talking about coursework specific to a bachelor's degree in music therapy, not coursework related to equivalency programs or master's degrees. The American Music Therapy Association states on their website that the undergraduate music therapy degree must contain the following framework. One, the bachelor's degree in music therapy shall be designed to impart entry-level competencies in three main areas, music foundations, clinical foundations, and music therapy foundations and principles, as specified in the AMTA professional competencies. Two, in compliance with NASM standards, the bachelor's degree in music therapy shall be divided into areas of study as follows. Please note that the courses listed below each area of study are only suggested titles of possible courses or course topics. So you need musical foundations as 45% of your curriculum. You need clinical foundations as 15% Music therapy-specific coursework is 15%, and then general education is 20 to 25%. So right off the bat, I had one of my initial questions answered when I saw that AMTA only provides suggested titles of possible courses or course titles. So it really is up to the university or college to decide which courses they will offer as long as they follow the course framework provided by AMTA. There are a few rules that each school has to follow, however. When applying for an undergraduate music therapy degree,
degree program to be implemented at their school, someone must submit an application, which includes the courses that will be offered, and how each course will meet the AMTA professional competencies. Ultimately, it's up to AMTA to decide what courses will be approved and offered at each school. Now that we have some of the foundations of how courses are created and approved, I want to invite Kristen and Alyssa to join me for an open discussion to compare and contrast our undergraduate music therapy courses. Before we get started, I'd like to take a moment to just ground ourselves with a brief music break. Let's get started. I asked Kristen and Alyssa to share their undergraduate music therapy coursework with me, and I'm going to let Kristen start with sharing the music therapy classes she was required to take during her time at Drury University. She went there a few years before Alyssa, so I'm also curious to see what changes were made, if any, to the curriculum between Kristen and Alyssa. So if you all could just quickly list your music therapy specific classes and a sentence or two of what they were about, we'll start there. That sounds great. Um, this is Kristen, and I am just going to kind of run down. We obviously had a music therapy orientation, which is from that music therapy orientation book. Um, and then we had, I think one of the first ones that I took was the psych 
psych and acoustics is what we called it. So basically the psychology and acoustical foundations of music and how it's processed in the brain um, as it was at that time. Again, I was, I started my curriculum in 09, so I would have started this course in 09. Or no, sorry, 05, not 05, 05. Um, and so this, this course supported like the neurological basis behind using music. So how the brain responds to different aspects of music and then included like the biology of the ear and the whole process of hearing and how our brain interprets auditory input and all of those. So we had um, psych and acoustics one and two. And then we had a number of other music therapy specific courses. So I had behavioral health for children and adults, which where we, you know, went through all <clears throat> mental health and behavioral health um, for both children and adults. And then we had um, music rehab, music and rehabilitation one and two. So obviously we talked about music therapy and rehabilitation. And we had specific classes for music therapy, um, developmental disabilities. So we had one and two of those, as well as the a rec music, what we called was rec and music therapy, I believe. I can't remember exactly what it was called. But these are basically clinical techniques that we mostly addressed in groups, specific interventions and styles of therapy that we could use um, for like ensembles, groups, singing, um, different uh, adapting uh, instruments, things like that was, was really the, the highlight of that course. And then we had, um, because the, I did have a different uh, professor than Alyssa, and so all of our courses, we did have some textbooks, but most of it was research. So we learned how to read research from the very beginning. It was, um, you know, we had to, that was basically our curriculum in those courses. But we did have a number of research, like we had an accountability course that talked about all about the accountability of documentation, how we take documentation, why we do it, the kind of science behind that, and the theories behind how we take that. Um, and then we also had uh, like a research and statistics course where we learned about how, um, you know, all the statistical behind how you gather data and how you analyze data and all of those things. Um, we also had a behavioral measurements and ethics course that really walked us through like the research and um, the policies behind um, how you take your data. So there was the accountability, the research, the behavioral and ethics, and then the research and statistics were all very um, specific to how we communicate what we do as as music therapists and how we we do that scientifically and um, just through the data and then we had music therapy piano which was a specific course and then um, we had uh, our field studies which was our clinical so I had four of those and then we had clinicals on top of that every um, semester so sometimes I had two to three every semester on top of my field studies but field studies um, was kind of our the general course for that. So those are, are kind of the general um, courses that, that we took for music therapy specifically. Okay, great. Thank you so much for sharing. Those classes are really cool and very interesting. Alyssa, do you mind sharing some of your classes that you took at Drury University a couple years after Kristen? 
Yeah. And um, I just want to preemptively apologize if any of my professors hear this and I like forgot to talk about a class that they taught me. I promise I paid attention. I just, you know, I've slept since then. So yeah, I started at Drury um, in 2015. So exactly 10 years after you, Kristen, which is so funny. And a lot of things have changed in the department between our two um, times there. So there are some differences uh, between classes and I'm noticing some things have been combined, I think. So um, obviously we have our um, our music therapy orientation class. Um, and then um, I guess I'll just go from there right into field studies because um, that's that's what we call our practicum classes. And so for that, that's in two parts. And this it sounds like it was similar for you, Kristen, that um, there's like the weekly practicum, right? So for a whole semester, you get... And you get to choose, um, as scheduling allows, what your practicum is going to be. So you go every week with your supervising music therapist, who's probably different every semester um, because these are all over. And so um, you are doing all of the prep work and the documentation for your actual session time. And your freshman year, I mean, you start right away. And we started with like formal observations. And then with each level of field studies, you get more and more independent. So you start that right away, um, but then there's also like a seated class portion, and that's where we um, had different assignments, um, like learning how to write grants, um, working through um, the TDM process, and writing full TDM assessments, um, doing a lot of advocacy presentations and research intervention design, um, and then we would also have like video evaluations and stuff that we were getting critiques for our um, clinical um, skills. So that was kind of a two part class every week. Um, and so that was, that was really cool. And you get a lot of good, I got some good experiences doing that, obviously. Um, and then on top of that, there were tons of volunteer opportunities because the, the unique thing about Drury is we have an on-site clinic. Um, and so that was where a lot of our beginning practicums were, but there were also opportunities in the Springfield area. So then from there, um, we had classes, or I took music therapy and um, mental and behavioral health as well. And so um, that was more related to like psychiatric settings and um, special needs from like diagnostic, historic, and um, like clinical applications for that, um, learning about music therapy in school settings and that sort of thing. Um, I also had a psych of music class, but now we just call it psychology of music. And so I think that um, that covers kind of the same things that you talked about, Kristen. Then we had um, a medical music therapy class. And so this was, yeah, more about the medical specific considerations like hospice, NICU, pediatric, general hospital, rehabilitation, all of that stuff. And so the different, you know, the different techniques and approaches relating to that and um, some research with that, a lot of research with that as well. And then we also had our um, rec music class, recreational music, which was a very like hands-on clinical technique class where as a class we would role play a lot. And so we would really get to practice our techniques and explore different instruments and all kinds of like how to adapt styles of music and instruments. And I remember one week we even had like a DJ come in and he brought all his equipment and we got to like check out DJing stuff. Like it was super cool. That was one of my favorite classes. Um, So yeah, that was a very like hands-on experience and we did some of that in field studies class time as well but rec music was really for that 
Um, let's see, what am I, what am I missing? I thought of something, Kristen, as you were talking, and I can't remember what it is, but those are kind of a lot of the basics. Um, oh, and then research class. Obviously, we had a research class where we got to um, write like a um, research proposal and stuff and practice all of that. And um, that was really awesome, too. I really liked that class. Very cool. Yeah, so my classes were kind of different. Um, <laughs> I also had the intro to music therapy, of course, just the overview of everything, just kind of like a sneak peek, right? And then we had functional music therapy skills. So this was kind of like your recreational music class, right? So it was really talking about like music from different genres, how to adapt instruments, how to do like all these little functional skills that come in handy. Like we also practiced how to talk and play guitar at the same time. Uh, yes. Yeah. A know, valuable skill. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So practicing all those little things that you might not think about really, but um, definitely come in handy. Um, yeah. I will I will actually never forget my rec music class, the one where you have to we had to like play the left hand and cue three different guitar chords mm -hmm. like with one hand like and then switch and you had to like play the melody and then cue with your left hand and like that conducting piece where you're like yeah you know, just the logistics of of how not just thinking about it but like actually practicing doing it so yeah that right. was a fun class yeah thinking Difficult about class. it it's more like working on coordination <laughs> than anything yes. right um yes. big time but we also had music therapy treatment processes, and this just goes over assessment, evaluation, treatment planning, and termination for all different clientele and populations. And then we had music therapy methods, and this was kind of our hands-on experiential learning class, which I really enjoyed. So we went through all of the different music therapy methods and got to experience all of them. Um, while our professors led experiences, like brief um, introductions into each method, and then we were able to lead those as well and practice that. A lot of role-playing as well. Um, very immersive, which was really cool, and I learned a lot in there. And then, so something that was kind of specific to Dayton is we had two clinical improvisation classes and this was because our one of our professors was really big on this and um, wrote a couple books on this. So um, we had two classes dedicated specifically to clinical improvisation, which was pretty cool. And then, of course, music therapy research, you know, how to research in music therapy, how to conduct research in music therapy, all the good things. Um, music therapy principles. This studied all of the different theoretical orientations um, within therapy and encouraged us to find where we fit in. So we had a, at the very end of this class, we had a final project where we presented on pretty much, you know, this is where we fit in. This is where our theoretical orientation is. These are our therapeutic approaches um, and really just kind of explored the wide range of um, orientations out there. And then we also had music and psychotherapy. 
And I think this is probably close to your music and psychology or music psychology class. Um, but this is psychotherapy. So um, one of our professors was also really adamant about this as well and wrote a couple articles in this. Um, but this was a really cool course. It was very, very deep. Um, kind of a, a brain buster class, but very valuable and really, you know, inspired a lot of us to do some more psych work, I think. But yeah, so that was, that was my, my experience in undergrad, which seems a little bit different than you all. Um, and I think you can kind of tell just from the titles of our classes that the, the theoretical orientations of our, our schools are pretty different. Um, you all have behavior or behavioral in a lot of your class titles, um, or it's very like neurologic based, like Kristen was saying for um, one of her first classes, and mine did not have that at all. Um, we, we did not focus on behavioral um, music therapy pretty much at all. Like we learned about it, we talked about it, but we didn't really practice it, I guess. And then neurologic music therapy was kind of something we really didn't talk about. Um, so I was just curious, um, Alyssa, you also had some classes that were focused on medical music therapy. Um, were they required or did you choose to take that class? So yeah, my medical music therapy class that was required. Um, and we, um, I mean, I think that's largely because we didn't have access to a medical facility until my very senior year, they were able to approve a practicum at, um, and NICU at one of the hospitals in Springfield, but only one student got to go per semester and it was like at the very end of school. And so I didn't, they like literally had to draw the name out of the hat cause everybody wanted it and I didn't get it. Um, so I didn't get to do that, but, um, in hindsight, I'm really glad that I took that class because I ended up doing a medical internship. Right. And so that was um, kind of the only introduction to medical music therapy that I had going into internship. Um, so, yeah, I ended up and that in that class, I think, um, really kind of got my wheels turning for medical music therapy at all because it was never something that I even considered. And then I was like, wow, there's so many different applications for this. And it ended up being something that I used a lot. So I'm really glad that I took it. Yeah, very cool. And last mm -hmm. question for you. Did you know going to Drury that it was more behavioral, medical, neurologic based? Did you know that? Was that a purposeful decision to, to go there? On that? Mm, yes and no. So um, when I was originally like looking for the school that I wanted to go to and applying for schools, I didn't know anything about different approaches in music therapy. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what to look for because as they say, you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't know. Right. <laughs> so, um, but it was pretty clear. I think once I got there, I mean, all of my professors are like, they're like we're cognitive behavioral that's just kind of what it is and they will admit that I mean they're very transparent about that um but you know until I got there I guess I didn't really 
if they had told me, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what to look for elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not something that I would ever have changed because I do think that approach. And then, I mean, probably a lot of this has to do with what my training was in now that, you know, in hindsight, that's kind of more what I am because that's how I was trained. Right. But I think also in hindsight, it aligns very much with my philosophies of therapy in general. And so it ended up being a perfect match for me mm-hmm. and I didn't even know. Yeah. So I kind of got really lucky in that aspect. Um, but they're, I mean, yeah, they're pretty upfront. And I think if I had known more, I would have been able to identify that better, even visiting. Yeah. You know, I guess that is kind of a hard question because you do kind of go in blindly at first. Um, yeah. You don't really know too much about theoretical orientations, right? When you're first getting into music therapy. So yeah, that definitely makes right. sense. Um, Kristen, so I'd love to know your thoughts on how different your coursework is from Alyssa's. Um, did you have any classes that you really loved that she didn't have? Or did you, Alyssa, have any classes? Or did Alyssa have any classes that you wish you had had? Well, I think that, I mean, we do come, we have, our main professor was different, but our clinical supervisor, a clinical professor was the same. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I think my uh, my professor was a little bit more psychodynamic. If I'm kind of, I mean, again, this is a long time ago, but it was a little bit more psychodynamic than, it was like a really uh, psychodynamic cognitive behavioral mix. We kind of got, ve- I mean, very heavy on the cognitive behavioral, but I just remember also having this very psychodynamic kind of approach as well. Um, so... I, I felt like my experience, again, there was like, there was seven of us that, like in my classes, like, the, I mean, we had very small, so when you're talking about like, when I go to, when I went into music therapy, I hadn't, I sort of had an idea about what music therapy was, but like, other than, I mean, I, I went in really, really, really blind. So, um, I think that, you know, I did have, um, I'm not exactly sure where it fit into my curriculum, but I know that we addressed medical music therapy, but just like we addressed Nordoff and Robbins, and we addressed all of those, um, and I believe we had a medical music therapy textbook that we used. I just can't remember in which course it was that it fit in under, but it was in one of them because I have a court or a, a textbook from it, but um so I think a lot of it is really very similar. Um, I am excited that they have a specific medical. Um, but again, I went, I, I went and did my internship at a large hospital in near Chicago. So, um, and I felt really very prepared. Um, mm-hmm. There was a lot that I learned, obviously, but there's a lot everybody learns when you go to internships. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I didn't feel like completely unprepared for it mm-hmm. um so i don't know i i really really felt like uh, we had a, i had a great education i really was um but i'm a little biased about that so i think jury is a great right. place to get <laughs> yeah a great place um but i do think in comparison to yours i would have loved to have had more improvisation we we did have that a little bit in our music therapy piano like where we had uh we had a specific music therapy piano. Uh, I can't remember if it was a course. I don't, I think it was, we just took specific music therapy piano um, 
lessons. I think I took I took them. lessons. Okay, that's what that from a music therapist. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I took it with specifically mm-hmm. with my professor. So Dr. Cassidy is who I took my my therapy piano with. And so we had yeah, I mean in our juries and everything that we had to do, we had to, you know, present and you had to create and, you know, this is all very music therapy focus but so we did a little bit of improvisation I remember in that um but but yeah not as much as not as much as you and I don't remember I mean there we did do some psychology like I said there was a little bit of psychodynamic psychotherapy a little bit but um I mean I specifically remember a, a book that I still have uh, in a workbook that we have that our professor wrote um so I don't know I felt like it was a pretty well-rounded but Mm-hmm. But there was a lot less. I mean, that was what fifteen years ago. So, music therapy is very different now mm-hmm. than it was then. So, yeah, definitely. Um, so a question for both of you: um, Do you believe that your professors pushed you in a certain direction, like a certain theoretical orientation, or do you think that they allowed you to practice in your own way? Alyssa, what do you think? That's a good question. I mean, like I said, all of my professors were pretty transparently aligned with one approach. So obviously everything that they were teaching was going to kind of come from that specific lens. Mm -hmm. But I will say um, one influencing factor, I think, and I remember my like, my first real hands-on experience is seeing more of like an NMT approach, for example, is one of my clinical supervisors who um, she had done a very NMT internship and was newly board certified and came back. And so she was teaching me about some of the things that she had learned at her internship that were things that I had never even heard of before, right? So I definitely had influences as my clinical supervisors changed and I actually got to see more of how they did it and their specific flavor and approach and what they kind of subscribe to. So I think, I mean, I think in general, yeah, I would say my professors probably influenced me heavily towards more cognitive behavioral because that's what they practiced. Right. Um, but there was, I mean, there was, and there was always an attitude of asking questions. But mm-hmm. I think for me, I just... I just really like resonated with it so much that I never felt like I was discouraged from, I mean, there was never an attitude of discouragement in, in anything, but I think I, um, a lot of it, I guess I didn't really even think to question just because I was like, no, this makes the most sense to me. I'm going to go with this, yeah, <laughs> you know? Right. So, yeah, that makes but sense. yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah. Awesome. Kristen, do you feel similar, different? I do, even though I had um, a different um, uh, professor um, or part 50% different, I guess. I I agree. Um, I, it was, um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I definitely see that. Um, I, I think I live a lot more in the, like, I remember being just absolutely captivated by, like, Nordoff and Robbins when I was in, um, and that's like the direction that I really wanted to go. And then, um, but then I just got really, 
I just I like it all. I just kind of like all the <laughs> approaches. I think they all have their place, but I've always been like that. Um, and then I went on to get my master's at CSU, so mm-hmm. I, so that was that's very, a little different than that's very different. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's very different, and I love it. Mm-hmm. But I also, um, but I I love how you know, I just love how they all mix together. But I have to say, I don't think I was I didn't feel pushed. Mm-hmm. Um, into one theoretical framework or anything. I think it was just that was just what we were mostly exposed to. So that was what we probably know best. Right. But um, it wasn't, we weren't certainly discouraged from, you know, exploring the others. I got you. And I will say too, I mean, I even had one teacher who, um, Kristen, I know you didn't have, and she was much more psychodynamic I would even say probably humanistic, much more uh, person-centered mm-hmm. approach. So then taking classes from her, and she was actually kind of the one who used this terminology of music therapy should be a gumbo. So she really encouraged us to pull from different approaches yeah. and create what worked for us um, and mm-hmm. worked for our clients specifically. So, I mean, there was definitely an attitude um, mm-hmm. of pick and choose like what works for you, what doesn't work for right. you, that kind of thing. So there was definitely some exploration too, mm-hmm. yeah. I think within the culture. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I only had one professor, well, two, the clinical and then the, yeah. But mm-hmm. that's really nice. I do think that there's a lot of good that can come from when you have multiple professors with multiple different, mm-hmm. um, the you know, uh, ideas and approaches so that then you just become the most well-rounded therapist. Um, but I do have to say, Maggie, I think that, um, just, I'm pulling back here. What was that one that you, what that one course that, oh, that where you specifically the, you really were encouraged to like find where you fit. I think that that just kind of naturally happened in ours, but I do think that that's a really cool course because yeah, I think it's a really great place to um, a really good thing for undergrads to, to wrestle with, really, I think. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it, it, it was helpful. Um, I know in my undergrad degree program, our professors were very person-centered, music-centered in their approach. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in that class, we learned about all the different theoretical orientations and therapeutic approaches, but, um, I remember that my professors were very outspoken about what they believed was the best way to practice in music therapy, um, mm-hmm. and that was not behavioral and not <laughs> NMT, right? <laughs> um, and I believe that they pushed us in a certain direction, but um, again, kind of like you all, I personally agreed with that direction, and I didn't really want to practice any other way. Um, but I specifically remember during my internship, I discovered how unique and different each music therapist is and how that was okay, right? There were yep. there was definitely some judgment on my behalf at first, um, but when you realize that we're all going towards the same goal, it's hard to believe that there's just one, you know, quote unquote, right way to get there. So... I'm just curious if you all had a similar experience um, or a different experience post-graduation. Um, do you believe that you still align with the theoretical orientation that you graduated with, or has it somehow 
shift it a little. Whoever wants to go first. I can go first. I will just start by saying I feel like I'm kind of in this weird phase of like identity crisis happening right now <laughs> because so now that I'm in grad school, right? First semester in they I just have like my whole concept of music therapy has pretty much just been turned on its head like over the last few months so this is like very yes right very real real time happening crisis (laughs) so I'm like exploring (laughs) like taking a deep dive into all of the approaches and I have to write these journal reflections every week and my I said something in this last week that pretty much just sums up my answer my long answer to your short question, Maggie. Um, I was like, <laughs> yes, and. Yes, and. And then my professor specifically replied to my journal and commented, this seems to be your anthem lately. And I'm like, yes, and. Yeah. Like, I mean, all of these approaches are valid for each, for so many different reasons, right? Yeah. And so it's yeah. like, I'm like reading about one and thinking, oh yeah, I resonate with that, but not all of that. But then I'm reading over here and I'm like, yeah, no, I I get that, but maybe not that aspect. And so I'm like, it's hard for me because I'm a very black and white person anyways. Um, I like to be between the lines. Like I like to know exactly what I am and what I'm about. And so it's been this really like difficult um challenge for me to feel so ambiguously mm-hmm. and not be able to 100% identify with any one approach. And I'm like trying to claim that in a way and be like, you know what? I don't need to be one thing. I don't need to be one brand of music therapist. I don't have to choose, mm-hmm. which is the really cool thing about what we do. But then there's, you know, the part of me that's like, but it would be nice if I could just yeah. say, yep, that's me right. and just know 100%. But I don't think I'm ever going to get there. And so I'm kind of on this journey of self-discovery in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically, to sum up your question, Maggie, generally, yes, I do identify as cognitive behavioral. um, But there's like this little asterisk next to that. And I have this whole long explanation that I feel like I have to give whenever someone asks me that. Mm -hmm. So now everyone has heard my explanation and I'll just refer them in the future to this episode so they can know what I'm trying to say (laughs) right (laughs) right right so my answer is yes and (laughs) okay well you're not you're not the only one out there so there are going to be listeners that are like yes yes and yes I'm right there and and, (laughs) yes and yes yeah well Well, what about you Kristen what do you think I was going to say, that's kind of been my anthem. But you guys know, I mean, I'm your supervisor. And so what do I always tell you? You, you practice. Well-rounded toolbox. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You got yeah. it yourself. I think you have to have it all. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. seen a lot of different types of music therapy. I've practiced a lot of types. I've seen a lot of different types of clients. And I think it depends on what you have available, what your goal is, and what your client is who your client is and what they need. I think mm-hmm. you have to start there. Yep. Um, you also have to look at your skills. And every music therapist is not built the same way. Every music therapist is so different. And so I think that 
it's important to be able to hone all of your skills because if you just are not using, for instance, if you're cognitive behavioral and only that, maybe you're not utilizing as much your improvisational skills, but you might have them and they might be absolutely beautiful and be the one thing that's so amazing. You know, so like it's a perfect example. We have one client where Maggie has um, that we work in school systems, which typically we would be very cognitive behavioral when we come into schools. That's going to be that's going to be very it works well with the IEPs. You know, we're trained very much in that We're, we're working a lot with behavior plans and things like that. And so that's great that and it works most of the time. But one client we were not having was not working well with that method and Maggie turned it on its head because you know we were all in supervision and we're like what if we just turn it on its head what if we completely switch and just go more music centered now it worked perfect and it worked great and now we're you know now you can enter in some other behavioral things and you can use a combination of both of those and that was what that client needed and so that is you know having been psychodynamic cognitive behavioral and then having both of those then going to my internship where it was very my internship director was very humanistic very music centered so I got a lot of that and I got exposure to that all at once and it was just overwhelming and amazing and we did improvisation and we did toning and we did all of these things that I had never had a lot of experience with and then I went and did NMT and did my which was so beautiful and the the foundations behind all of the other things that I had learned and I just found out that that was I I really love that and you know we have you guys go and get trained in that because I think it's a really important thing to to know it's a really good thing to tool to have in your skill or your toolbox the skill to have in your toolbox um and be in your wheelhouse so I would say very long answer to your very short question is <laughs> I like them all. I mm-hmm. think I like the gumbo idea. I've never heard that, but I like the gumbo idea. Love I have me never, <laughs> yeah, I have just never, I remember being at like an NMT training and there being like a lot of just uproar about approaches. And I was like, I just don't, I don't see, I don't see how they're all so, so different. They're just, you're, you're all talking about people. You're all talking about music. How different could that all, how, why can they not all blend and be really beautiful together? Mm-hmm. So I think the answer to your question too, I feel like I'm coming to learn is um, the division between approaches has more to do with the therapist and less to do with the client. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I think that, I think that's a very good approach mm-hmm. or a very good thing to mention. And I love, uh, that's, I, I love being challenged so that, mm-hmm. um, challenge to think because the more that you think about different approaches the more you can kind of hone in and it's very important for you as a therapist to hone in on where you're most comfortable where your wheelhouse is where your skills are where your you know but where your theoretical framework is and and where your your kind of base is Um, right you know so then we can also identify as you know clients come in we can say oh I think that's going to be a more appropriate client for Maggie or I think that's going to be a more appropriate just because the more we learn about clients we can identify who's going to be the best therapist Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah and that's you know that's one of the perks of having such a diverse team right yeah 
Yeah, yeah, which is exactly why I brought you in. Mm-hmm. Which was very, it was very intentional. It was very intentional bringing Happy you in. Happy to be here, folks. So, <laughs> all right, so what do it's you think, choice. Maggie? You've now been a music therapist for for a little bit here. Yeah, so, I mean, I kind of align with Alyssa on the whole identity crisis thing. Um, (laughs) That was definitely me when I first started the job in the state schools. Um, And trying to learn these cognitive behavioral techniques that I did not know. And kind of like the whole you don't know what you don't know thing, right? I was just, I felt like I was stuck almost. You know, I was like, I don't, like how do I implement these things that I don't know, right? So it was really awesome to have a team that was, you know, cognitive behavioral based and give me some pointers and tips on how to, you know, kind of blend the two styles together, right? Because they would give recommendations and then I'd take my own twist on it. And, you know, most of the time it works pretty great. And, um, Yeah, I mean, I definitely still resonate more with um, music-centered, humanistic, you know, approaches. But overall, um, I also agree it's, in my opinion, better to be well-rounded than be completely, you know, focused and um, narrowed into a, a specific lane, right? I think that you're able to reach more people that way. Um... But I also, like, I do see the the benefit of being so, like, you know, um, involved in one specific thing, you know, being so, like, you know, knowledgeable and confident and, you know, direct with your mm-hmm. therapy, right? Um, so, like, it does, I think, depend more on the client than the therapist mm-hmm. in most situations, right? Um, who is the therapist or who is the client best going to work with? And that's up to the client, not really up to yeah. us. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I definitely, uh, I, I think we're all kind of on the same page here. Um, but the last, the last question I wanted to open for discussion is if you think that there should be a more unified coursework in schools, um, so, Kristen, <laughs> I saw I saw your face. I'm curious what you're thinking. I know. <laughs> I think it's a big question. Yeah, right? I think it's I think, a really, I, yeah. And it'd be really hard to kind of narrow down, and there'd be a lot of butting heads, right? Because we've, a lot. we've yeah. you know, had these polar opposites like we talked about in mm-hmm. our Nordoff Robinson versus NMT podcast. You know, there's yep. a lot of yep. butting heads in this field. Um, but also part of me wonders if having a more unified coursework would help with the whole advocacy thing, having us more unified, having us more, um, direct in our answers to saying, this is who we are. This is what we do. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious on your all's thoughts about this. I've been kind of going in circles, (laughs) um, you know, I think there's pros and cons both ways. Yeah, I I think that it's very difficult to put music therapy in a box. Mm-hmm. And a couple weeks ago, we had Alyssa brought in 
um, some research that we're not going to share because it's not our research to share, but um, she brought some from her graduate program, and it was fascinating about all the different, the like just the, uh, well, all the different terms that we use for approaches and theology and, um, you know, our, or not theology, our theory that, well, yeah, you know, how the theories that we come and philosophies and, you know, all the different, like, is it an intervention? Is it a technique? Is it a strategy? Is it an exercise? Exercise. Is it, a, is activity. it an activity? Whatever. What, what are we communicating is, you know, how do we communicate? And it's very, very hard. I do think that there is some aligning that we need to do just so that, um, we can communicate because it, it makes that what's your elevator pitch of what music therapy is. Mm-hmm. What is music therapy? It's, it just really sounds different to everybody. And the way we, you know, say what we do, how we communicate it, um, really depends on obviously what approach we come from. Um, so I think, I do think that it's good it would be good for our education to be more well-rounded, I think, and, and have it be just because you never know who, where a, where a therapist is going to get a job, what fit is going to be best for them as their theoretical framework. So this is why I'm a huge advocate for a master's because I think music mm-hmm. therapy is so huge that we need more time to really dig into it and to – to learn and and it takes a lot of experience to be in it so that's why I'm a huge advocate for that but I think it's a big job I think it would be a huge job Mm -hmm. to really narrow down um what and there there would be really hard conversations and I think that I don't think that we should shy away for those hard conversations I think they're really important for us to have especially if we are wanting to unify um you know, and we do billing and we do insurance billing and things like this. And so it's, you know, it, it's much easier to use NMT for CPT codes than it is to use the humanistic approach. Right. Music-centered. Like, there's just, you know, there there's some unifying that I really do think could be beneficial. Um, just kind of airing it out so that we're all asking the same questions because we're all asking the same questions but it'd be nice if we were all safely talking about them in the same place and Mm -hmm. um so i do think that it's um a good idea uh you know as we just further refine our our profession and what we do what do you think Alyssa? This has been a question that has been discussed in this whole phase of identity crisis that I'm in. Yeah. And I I just, like you said, Maggie, I just go in circles around this question because my gut answer is, yes, the disjointedness in our field and the inability to come to conclusions on even the definition of music therapy, because mm-hmm. there are like hundreds, right? And I was only ever taught one. Um, But I mean, like, even at the most basic level, it's it's in my gut. I'm thinking, yes, we need to come to a decision about this, you know, because other similar fields or related fields are very clear about what they are, what they do. They don't have a lot of the same advocacy problems that we do. And I think it's because people know exactly what they are. They know what to expect. They know what they're getting. Mm -hmm. Um, But the. But the more that I think about it, I just think, 
it's impossible to get us into one box, mm-hmm. one identity, one definition, one because because music therapy is so vast, if we started mm-hmm. trying to narrow in, we would be leaving out a lot of valid ideas and a lot yeah. of really beautiful work that's being done. Yep. Now, for me, I draw a line at evidence-based, and I know that people have kind of, they're on different ends of that spectrum, and they have different definitions of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm all about the research, right? And so I think that that's a starting point is really like honing in on our research and um, indigenous music therapy research at that. Mm-hmm. We, you know, that's a big area that we need to um, focus on, I think. But, oh, I also agree with Kristen about the um, the, the master's level requirement. I think, I mean, there's a lot of valid argument on both sides of that discussion and I know it's been going on for a long time and it will probably continue for a while but because we're so vast and diverse and broad it's so hard to be proficient to have any sort of level of proficiency for music therapists moving forward if we don't have because really we've already tried to fit two different degrees into one degree program Mm -hmm. as it is right you know even between our curriculums that we've discussed like we've covered so many things and I remember that was one of my big frustrations in undergrad was like the actual amount of work that we have to do to get our degree like looking at my friends comparatively Mm -hmm. is crazy like I calculated the amount of in-seat hours that I was actually in class not that I got credit for but that I was in class and I was over half Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. I was like over halfway to another degree Mm -hmm. you know like it's crazy yep but because of that yeah it's there's no way to narrow it down or yeah you know it's I guess maybe some things that we might consider narrowing down would be things like our terminology right like that yeah using the same terminology across standardized yeah right because I think yeah I think that's a that's definitely a good place to start um yeah yeah and I, I agree. I don't think that there is a way to put music therapy in a box, but with a world that insists on putting things in boxes, I think there's going to have to be some compromising and some bending um, coming from our field on what we're willing to compromise on, what we're not willing to compromise on. And I'm in no way looking for answers right now because I think that this is a very open-ended and... Um, you know, it's a hard question to answer, um, but I think that it's good to start thinking about things like this, and hopefully, you know, anybody who is listening to this podcast is um, getting their wheels turning as well and thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, what what are we putting out into the world, right, and how is that being received, you know, um, yeah. and how are we able to advocate for our field in the best way possible without compromising our core beliefs, right? Yep. Um, You know... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking that, like, I think that there's so much... I think the terminology is a really great place to start because, you know, like, the way 
the way we write objectives and goals, that could be more standardized. Mm-hmm. The way that commu- we communicate it is an activity, is an intervention, is it a exercise, is it, you know, and it might look different depending on what population you're working with, but that could be more standardized. Some of those specific boxy things that might be, um, that, that we could put into a box, but then leave the what happens inside the session be much more creative because that's why you can't put music in a box is because it depends on so much what mm-hmm. happens in the session between the client and the therapist. And it's a creative so it's the reason that we can't fit into the same box that speech and OT and PT are in is because they are not creative professions. They put creative aspects, you know, games and things like that in their sessions, but that inherently is not a, they have standardized techniques that they mm-hmm. use for speech, but speech is something that's standardized. Music is not. There is so much different, you know, variance in music and so that's why I think music is so and it's also because it's so creative because it is so uniquely designed and we know this because of the way it the brain responds to music it's so vast and it's so unique we respond emotionally to it so differently and that's why I think there's so much heat so much tension is because Mm -hmm. we get so passionate yeah absolutely we're because we're emotional, emotional beings. connection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're just connected because we have an emotional response to it as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's that's why we know it works so well. So I think that there's some standardization that could really happen. But, um, you know, as far as the terminology and how we write goals and how we communicate what we do. But within the therapy session, you know, I just keep thinking like psychotherapy and that they're not going through exact steps you know there's lots yeah, of different right. theoretical frameworks absolutely behind how you how you are a counselor how you what an lpc does and what it you know and so i think that there's there's so much that we could maybe even learn from how they've standardized mm-hmm. some things right um so how we really need to i feel like um you know and and we're even in a more unique where we kind of we we do all of it we we are right there next to speech therapists but we're also right there next to psychologists and counselors Mm -hmm. and trauma workers you know i mean and then we're also there next to teachers and so music is so vast it it i think it's a it's a big job to do to to you know make it more standardized but i do think that we would all benefit benefit from at least having terminology that we all Mm -hmm. can identify with so it's a great yeah. conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it, it's definitely one to be had. Um, yep, yep, and one that that needs to be had more frequently, um, <laughs> so that things actually change, right? Um, yeah, we should have others outside of our team on to talk about it, because I think that would be a great. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yep. Um, well, thank you both so much. Um, this was a really fun podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you all for being so open and honest with me and with our listeners. And I just want to say, um, we rock. <laughs> yes. We are well-rounded. We, all we, we are gumbo. We, we are happy <laughs> about it. And that's that. We're just doing the well best. Well said. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Just a happy little all, gumbo. All is good. 
friends. All, All is good. good in the world. All right. We get to do music with individuals every day. It's, life is good. Yes. <laughs> okay. True. Well, you all, thank you so much. And I appreciate your honesty and openness in this discussion. If you liked this episode, please rate and review. Find all of the show notes, links, and resources at www.musictherapyandbeyond.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and email us at musictherapyandbeyond at gmail.com. Have a great week, everyone. Until next time, this is Music Therapy and Beyond.